Well, hey, it's Seth, and I'm here with one of our church comm team partners, Josh Caro, who works as the comms director at Fairfield Baptist Church. Thanks for being here, man. I would love to hear what has been good about working with church comm team. Yeah, so probably the the most that I've, I've enjoyed is just the amount of knowledge and wisdom that I've gained from the comm side and just really meshing that with uh, ministry. We realize that if there is not a good, efficient internal process of how it all works, of how we're able to see the same vision and communicate that, then we can't do that to each ministry. Well, that's awesome to hear because it is really important to us to make sure that you guys are communicating uh, clearly and powerfully, but also connecting everything to your ministry, what's going on in the life of the church. So um, that's incredible to hear. Thank you so much for your time, man. And it's really a privilege to get to work with you guys. Amen. Same. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, ChurchCom Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church online is not a, a Hebrews 10 issue. It's a Mark 16 issue where Jesus says, go into all the world and, and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Wake up, eat, check social media, answer email, check social media, work a little, eat lunch, check social media, work a little, answer email, check social media, work as much as possible until five, eat, do family and kids activities, probably check social media during that, go to bed, lay there for two hours checking social media, sleep, dream about checking social media, wake up and repeat. That is the hamster wheel many of us find ourselves on. We find ourselves picking up our phones in order to fill every last scrap of silence in our lives. But how much are they actually encroaching on our rest, healthy relationship building, and just plain living our lives? At the heart of our sickness is Pavlov's proverbial bell that dings every time a notification goes off. We scramble to find out what's going on in that quote, other world that we can't seem to bring ourselves to miss. No wonder we are more and more depressed and anxious, falling prey to the comparison trap and imposter syndrome. We have become accustomed to defining our reality by someone else's highlight reel. In fact, one study found that 80% of smartphone users check their phones within 15 minutes of waking up. Guilty. This habit has been linked to increased stress and anxiety. Truth. Not to mention it hijacks your time and attention. Looking at your phone before bed has also been shown to stimulate your brain, making it more difficult to fall asleep. Not to mention, always feeling like we're missing something important and therefore we aren't important. We didn't get invited 
we didn't know about it, etc. Which leads me to think that maybe telling followers, quote, you don't want to miss it all the time is actually contributing to the problem. What if the church, though, led the way in creating space for a digital Sabbath on a regular basis to help combat the growing concerns? The concept of rest is inherent in the idea of Sabbath and can be closely linked to the idea of fasting. On the seventh day, God rested from his work. Every seven days, we're supposed to observe the same type of rest, but we don't, and it shows. So what do we do? Today's guest is James Kelly, CEO of Faith Tech, creators of DigitalSabbath.io, an online tool meant to help, regulate people, help people regulate and automate Sabbath rest when it comes to digital spaces and technology. Founded in 2016, James started to realize how much time he was spending on his phone and other tech, and he began taking one day off a week from technology and then created a website called Digital Sabbath with his team that would send email reminders to help people literally automate Digital Sabbath in their life. Digital Sabbath has been cited in social media and media outlets like New York Times, and thousands of people, including myself, have since used the product to help them find regular rest and peace. You can find James in Digital Sabbath at digitalsabbath.io to learn more. But in the meantime, please welcome our guest, James Kelly. It's great to have you. Welcome. Honestly, guys, here's, I got to say this. Congratulations to anyone that made, that's still listening right now <laughs> after hearing that, man, uh, maybe this is me. Like maybe the digital Sabbath, like you just unpack this wheel, Seth, of like, <laughs> how how common is that, right? For yeah. so many of us. And here's the thing. We hear a topic like that. Instinct is run. Mm-hmm. Instinct is like, I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to dive in. So literally, as you were doing that intro, I was like, if anyone's still listening, like, well done. Because already you're opening up to like, maybe I need to talk more on this topic that is, it's challenging to, to address. I think this is a huge, it's a huge heartbeat of people. They're feeling the tension more than ever before. And this is a conversation that is happening and needs to happen more often. And I'm just, I'm glad that we get to have it with you. Who's kind of leading the way in the church space. Um, So talk to us a little bit about starting digital Sabbath. Like how did that go? And like, what did that look like? And uh, did you have withdrawals? (laughs) Like, was it like coming (laughs) off of a drug? (laughs) I'm shaking still years later. No, um, um, yeah, no. So the, the context here is so by God's grace, I lead um, and had the opportunity to start this uh, community called Faith Tech. And uh, it's emerged to be this global community of predominantly people in the tech industry that love Jesus and are trying to figure out, man, I feel alone and isolated in my work and I feel underutilized by the church. I got all these crazy talents, like I can build applications, sites, like future technology type stuff, and I'm running PowerPoint, mm. you know, and, <laughs> but no, and, yeah. and you need PowerPoint, you need like all I these know. things are important, but there's people that go, can I do something else as well as that or other than that? And what else can I do with the talents I have? Mm-hmm. Now, that's an it, honest struggle. It, it really is. And it's such a poignant illustration too. I've, I've been there, you know, just like, oh my gosh, I could do so much more than I'm doing. <laughs> I'm yeah. just being underused. But it's still, it's like you get into that that space and you just get overwhelmed quick if you're not careful. Um, yeah. And so we, we we discovered, yeah, about five years ago, um, there's people all around the world that are sh- feeling this way. 
And so we just said, well, what if we get you meeting together regularly in a place so you can meet each other, learn together and start building innovative technology for the global church around the world. So this kind of started five years ago in my town, which is Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. And now we're in um, 15 cities um, with a waiting list of like 120 cities that want to start meeting regularly together, like groups of people. um, And then a subset of those people actually build and create technology and like wild stories have taken place of like, we had, I'll tell you one. And then one of the stories is digital Sabbath. So I'll tell that one next, but like one of the stories was we, we ran a hackathon, which is like a retreat for geeks. It's amazing. It's so good. (laughs) And like, uh, we just hang out for a weekend. I love that. Seth's eyes just lit up. Like what? (laughs) Like what could you do there? I don't have any clue about hacking of any kind. So, So, you know, we hack into the CIA and we get all. Wait, I can't tell that story. (laughs) Don't worry. We, We can edit that out. Right, right, right. Um, (laughs) What we do, though, is like, it's a whole group of us that love Jesus in tech around tech. And we say, what are the problems that we're passionate about that might be an organization's having or a city's having or, and we in one weekend, we'll figure out what that problem is and build a solution in one weekend for it. Literally, it's unbelievable. So when this started, great. I remember I had discovered right at the beginning of, of a, running our first hackathon, I didn't even know what it was. I'd found out that in Canada, 8,000 people every month go on Google and search this phrase, how to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what do they see? So I searched it. Top re- saw, the top result at the time, seven easy painless ways to kill yourself. Oh my like, gosh. Dude, what is going on? So I was like, what do we do? So a team gave up a weekend. You know what their solution was? They bought the domain, howtokillyourself.org. And it was like a kingdom sting operation. So you click on it. And instead of here's how to do it, the title was you're not alone. Mm. And there's resources to help you. And literally since that's been up, it's still up to this day. It's thousands of people every month. We literally hear stories. Of people that are like, I went to go kill myself. I didn't know how. So I went on Google because that's what we do with our problems now, mm-hmm. right? We used to go to people we really trust. We used to go take it to the grave. There's this new category called Google, right? So then it begs the question, what are the results? And what comes to the top is not necessarily what's most helpful, but what is most popular. And those aren't the same things right. in every case. And we hear stories. People are like, I went on that website and saved my life. That's amazing. And I was like, wait, you're telling me a website can help save somebody's life. And so after that, a team bought the domain howtobuysex.com because they learned that's how people figure out where to go buy sex. And I mean, we now own a whole bunch of horrible websites. Your GoDaddy account is probably pretty creepy. I just bought <laughs> I just bought how to buy heroin, how to buy cocaine.com how to buy meth doc, like it's getting out of hand, but it's beautiful. Yeah. It's this reminds beautiful. me, it reminds me of way back when, do you remember a uh, triple X church? Yeah. yeah. They did the same thing. They kind of went in that type of guerrilla strategy online and just took up some of those websites to address the issue of porn. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. 
It's fascinating, man. I, I love that so much. Hearing stories about how people are using technology to redeem like that mm-hmm. is fantastic. And to step it. into the space people are, are already in. Yeah. Like you said, that's where we're going, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I that- mean, that's so our, our frame of thinking and all this, I love that you just said that, Seth, redeeming technology, because mm-hmm. and, and this framework might help us throughout this conversation. But there's kind of these three big categories of technology. There's exploitative technology, there's responsible technology, and there's redemptive technology, you know? And so often um, when you unpack those three spaces, you know, so much of what we're in this world we're in is leveraging or playing a role in the exploitative or in the gray area between exploitative and responsible, even though everyone's communicating responsible, um, what we're trying to do is faith tech. We're like, dude, let's, how do we live in the redemptive space? How do you take even what's been built and redeem it or build new that is redemptive? Mm. And then how do you even be a redemptive person living in the tech space? Mm. You know, yeah. cause these, I mean, think about like top five companies in the world, most influential companies in the world, all tech companies. Like that wasn't the case just 15 years ago. And so what we're trying to do is like kind of, you know, underneath all of that going like to bring Jesus to redeem what we're building, how we're building and who's building it and all for Jesus. And so do you, uh, uh, digital Sabbath, that's all in the mix, man. It's been a cool project, but anyways, that's, uh, that's the big level of my world is, is faith tech. That's, that's amazing. And I just wonder, um, so what, what are the plans for Facebook to redeem you- that? <laughs> to redeem hey, Facebook. I'll, and, I'll tell you where it starts. Instagram. I'll tell you where it starts. And I don't know what's transpired the last two years since COVID, but there was a group that every week did a prayer walk at Facebook campus, stopped mm-hmm. in front of Mark Zuckerberg's office and prayed over him. Wow, that's great. Like you want to see any movement of God, like any renewal, any... um any, any major change of God in history, always you have prayer at the absolute center of it. Always. Yeah. Like without a doubt, that's the foundational thing that happens. And so there's people at Facebook groups that meet regularly praying for their leaders. Yep. I mean, that's, that's yeah. how, where it's starting. And so, yeah. it's, it's funny you mentioned that like last week, I was convicted because I, I have problems with Facebook. I always, always rag on Facebook because they're the easiest, easy target, right? They are uh, the we easy have, target. We have friends that work there, you know, like Katie Allred's a great friend who now works at Facebook and Meta, you know, who, who is uh, doing great things with their faith department. And I was really convicted. Like I always, I'm, I take my shots at them, but I never prayed for them. And, mm. and so it, it was, it's been part of my routine over the last few days that when I want to take shots at them, um, to, to try to remember those that are there doing that. And and it's been, it's it's been hard to do because you're just so bent towards the critical because it's, it's done some damage. You know, there's some things that are out there because that company that have really hurt us. And so it's hard to see them that way sometimes. Yeah. And there's, and there's beautiful stuff. Like we just, we did an event last year, faith tech, uh, we call it big tech, faith and politics or something like we just went out and this was when everything was going on with Twitter and the guy who leads Twitter for Canada, his name's Paul Burns. This guy is like, loves Jesus, man. Like openly loves Jesus. 
we had them on and we had a few other like professors and they got into it and it was beautiful, good conversation. At one point, the one guy's like, how, why are you at Twitter? You know, like, how could you be there in the midst? He's like, God's called me here as a mission yeah. field. He's like, do you want me and all the other believers to leave Twitter? Or right. do you want us to stay and try to redeem it for Jesus? Like, what's, right. what's, the, what's the choice here? So I'm like, stay and work from the inside to like live out the gospel profoundly in that space. And so, yeah, those that are working in the tech world, man, step one, please like pray, pray for them. There's so many believers that love Jesus in these tech companies Mm -hmm. that are trying to live out the radical way of Jesus and see themselves on mission there. And and yeah. so it's beautiful. And thank God they are because, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a space, like you said, that has a lot of power to influence, yeah. uh, one way or the other. So it'd be great when people do Google those terrible things that they come up with something that's redeeming and helpful. And, um, you know, and, and that kind of brings you to digital Sabbath, to the idea of creating yeah. space for that. Um, you know, I want to get into a little bit of the theology of Sabbath and, and kind of understand how those connect, those dots connect. You know, you, you started doing that and that's why you created this, mm-hmm. this tool, uh, because you were starting to see some of those, you know, the rest was not happening. So I want to get into this, um, between the idea of biblical Sabbath and digital Sabbath, how those are connected and not to be confused with black Sabbath, at least, <laughs> you know, not the same, but, right. uh, the parallels that you saw, what did you see that helped you connect those dots? So yeah, the, the journey for me started with my son. So my son's now six, but when all this started, he was about three and we were in the living room one day. And I mean, I'm on my phone sitting in the living room. He comes up to me and like, he's like, dad, I'm here. <laughs> That's powerful, man. Ouch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. It's like, I'm here physically here in front of you. And he doesn't know what's going on, on my phone, right? He doesn't, he can't experience that. And, and so he doesn't know who I'm interacting with or what I'm messaging. I haven't communicated to him. Hey buddy, I'm doing this thing over here, which is another big learning piece of application, by the way, communicate what you're doing on a phone over communicate when you're around physical people. But I just was like, what am I doing, man? And so it was a moment where I just had to reflect and pause and stop and, and what it led to was we we did an event, Faith Tech event, which we called uh, Digital Addiction. And I had just met all these pastors and I was like seeing this trend with my pastor friends where I had one pastor friend say this. He's like, the number one issue that I'm dealing with with my church members, my church people is digital addiction. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what is that? And he's like, everything surrounding using technology and like not even be able to pay attention when I'm teaching with their one-on-one or in a sermon or whatever that case is, my people don't have a framework or a theology or a worldview or anything on how this technology is changing them. Yeah. And he's like, what do I do? And I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> I was like, why don't we, I was like, why don't we ask people that know? So we had like a professor come who's an expert on it. We had a, a recovered gaming addict come share his testimony, which was super powerful. And this was my favorite part, guys. Everyone who came to make 80 people, you walked in and we gave you a pouch. It was about this big. 
and you it was called yonder it's a little pouch and you put your phone in it and it locks <laughs> i love and it and i had the master key oh my so gosh. everyone sits down and they all have the pouch in front of them at their table and they can't get at their phone for two hours and i said guys i've got the key at the end of our time together i'll come around and unlock all your little pouches and you'll be able to get out your phone, but for two hours, you don't get access to your phone. I was like, we're going to, well, let's see how this goes. How they do it. Sounds we have no stressful. Idea. Stressful. See, that's, that's a good indication. <laughs> so I, 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 I was like, I have no idea how this is going to fly. So we finished the event. I had like three people rush me. They're like, get this thing unlocked, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, there's a sign. And one guy was shaking. Mm-hmm. And so I said to that guy, I was like, mm-hmm why are you shaking? And I said, is there like an emergency call you're waiting for? Or maybe you're like, maybe something is really important in your life that you're just wondering about. And he's like, dude, no. He's like, just the fact that I couldn't access this phone for two hours, I couldn't manage it mentally. I couldn't even know what to do with myself. That restriction was so terrifying to me. That's and it was like that moment for me when I was like, it was a combination of like my son moment, this event moment where I was like, this is a much bigger problem yeah. in my life and societally than I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just like, what do I do? And so I was like, man, you know, what's super cool. The Bible, and you know, what's super cool about the Bible is that God teaches us amazing things because he made us. And one of the things he taught us was to rest. And I was like, oh, there's this Sabbath thing. And I was like, oh, man. So then I just said, I said to my wife, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if like just for a day, I did no technology. And she's like, good luck. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so we put all these things in place to do that. Right. I had to like put phones away, turn it off. I gave her stuff, everything. And, and we just did this. I did this day. And honestly, it was just like so hard at first but by god's grace really quickly it became absolutely beautiful it was beautiful. totally yeah. necessary how long oh. did how long did it take before you started kind of going i'm good with this you know how many how yeah. many times did you have to do it <laughs> well by god's grace i like i saw the results in day one because okay. i was just like i was more invested in my family i was like reading more which you know, everyone says they want to read more and don't. And I was actually doing that. And that's so life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just, I was just like focused on what mattered most, you know, and I wasn't distracted. It was because there's all these little moments when we engage with a lot of social, like you just laid out Seth with that kind of analogy story, yep. like all those little moments, it's not so much what you gain from them, it's what you lose from them. That's actually more impactful. Right. And I, I, I didn't put this in any notes or anything, but I, I just remembered this when you said that. Um, I read a study two or three years ago that the, the effect the notification has on someone's uh, focus, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. that whenever you are like in deep work or you're working and you stop to check your email or, or a ding goes off and you go check it, it's 16 minutes before you're able to really get back into that wow. same focus, deep work. Wow. And you think about how many times and how often that happens a day. Yeah. It's a wonder we get anything done. Yeah. And if you've got like 
notifications and everything set up so that it's just always alerting you, always telling you what's going on and, and you're being run by that device. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, you're not using it. It's using you. I That's mean, right. it's really, it's, it's a turnaround. Yeah, 100%. I really want to talk about the practical strategies and things that you did when you first started this experiment mm. of like going tech free. But mm -hmm. before we dive into that, you mentioned this really cool thing that we have called the Bible <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> and stuff that Jesus says. And Jesus talks about the Sabbath a lot and there's some conflict there. And so mm. to just before we dive into the specifics about it, really understanding what Sabbath is. What does Jesus mean when he says that Sabbath was made for man? Mm. Right. And what does he mean when he says, when Exodus tells us to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Like that was one of the 10 commandments, right? But mm -hmm. then we're not also bound by the law. So it, like keeping it holy is still a principle that has a lot of value for us today. But what does that mean to keep Sabbath holy? And how as a church are we succeeding and failing at doing that, especially when it comes to this digital space? Because it's in our pockets and available and we're told to be on it. And we tell our people to be on it. You know, like Seth said, don't miss this. Are we contributing? Yeah. So mm -hmm. like, can you just talk, talk about that a little bit and how, what you're pulling from scripture and this whole concept of digital Sabbath? Yeah. Well, I love like, you know, in exchanging some notes ahead of time and you guys were saying like, you guys pulled out a couple of really beautiful scriptures on that. Um, and I think it'd be super cool to read some of those. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll yeah. take that. Uh, Mark yeah. two, 23 through 27 is the first passage. It's where Jesus is talking to this. I think Pharisees have come up and asked him a question. So uh, it says one Sabbath, Jesus was passing through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick the heads of grain as they walked along. So the Pharisee said to him, look, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath day. That was mm. the rule. Uh, Jesus replied, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? During the high priesthood of Abiathar, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which was lawful only for the priests. And he gave some to his companions as well. And then mm. Jesus declared the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mm. That last line really is the, is the twist that he, he turned that on its, on its head because their understanding of Sabbath was don't do work. Don't walk a certain amount of time. They start having to define all these little things. What do you mean? What's far? You know, what do you, how do you define that? Or what's too much work and what's, what's not enough work? What's still legal is became legalism essentially uh, about the Sabbath. And it started to literally rule them just like a device would to us today. And right. he says, yeah. and he goes, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I think that's interesting, but what, what, what is that? How do you hit, how does that scripture hit you? Yeah, it's so good. Like, I think the key actually to that passage for me that stands out the most is that it says like, son of man is the Lord of even the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, look, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean that, 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 that God is the Lord of the Sabbath? Like, what does Lord mean? Well, it means Lord is over uh the lord is in charge that he rules and reigns over that thing whatever that is and i think that's the major countercultural piece is that you look at technology and the way we build technology like the the creators of this technology are in rapid pursuit of efficiency rapid pursuit of trying to make things easier 
But in so doing, and not always intentional, but even in so doing, they start to control the rhythms and habits of your life. Yeah. Right. And so when it's like, well, Lord, the Lord, like Lord is, uh, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I think that's such a countercultural concept because what we're doing is by following the Sabbath, we're living this like radically countercultural life because everything, the way we've set up our systems and our technology is to get you and incentivize you. Mm-hmm. You see? To be to let that technology or yourself be the Lord and ruler of everything. And so, like that's kind of the first Mm -hmm. thing. And then I love that, like you go back, like that's a that's a heart back to the creation story, right? So the Sabbath was made for man, or um it was it was intended for man. Um, Um, and so you look at that and you go back to the creation story. And I love when you look at it, right? God makes in seven days. It's like, what do you make in day six? Humans, Adam and Eve. And what's their first day? Like, what's the inauguration day of humanity? Take a nap. Do nothing. Take, wow. Taking a nap, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the creativity. Yeah. yeah. Peace. Yeah. Look around. Like, take notice. Like, calm down. Like, this is a lot for you. This is day one. This is going to be a lot for you. You know, you, you haven't experienced life yet. It's uh, and it's like awe and wonder of God, you know, like let's just enjoy the fact that we're all here together, you know, that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. And I think that's, again, that's that inherent theology that sits within Sabbath, within beautiful, true, genuine rest is that it leads you down a path of observation. And, and I would even use the word boredom, which boredom Like, when was the last time you just sat and did nothing? Like, I mean, like, actually sat and did absolutely nothing. You looked at, like, a wall. And that was it. (laughs) Like, but that was your intent. Your intent wasn't to think of a strategy. Your intent wasn't to improve your business plan. Your intent wasn't, your intent was nothing. That was the intent of the moment. And, like. I think a lot of people feel like they're wasting time when they do that. Right. You well, know, we don't know right. what it's like to be present. Yeah. Yeah. It, because it, we're always being pulled into these other places. And I, not, I keep, not efficient. it's not efficient. No. And it's unsafe mm. to be present with your thoughts, your own thoughts. And mm. it's, there's no distractions. You know, we have trained ourselves that when something is uncomfortable, we pick up our phone mm. and we pull ourselves out of that moment. And I think that really removes opportunity for the Lord to meet us and for opportunity for healing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can't happen when we're somewhere else, when our minds are somewhere else, it has to be, you have to be present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I would say like, and that's, that's, it is why there's, it's so complex right now. To, yeah. to, to set up some of those systems in our life to enjoy the way that God created Sabbath because so much of what we've created is pushing us away from that. And so to me, this is why I'm so thankful you guys are even having this conversation because you have to think deeply on the cultural 
uh, uh, drawing us away from that idea of Sabbath, right? And then you have to think on, so there's cultural, there's theological that sit beneath it, and then you have to think of the practical on top of that. But certainly the, the foundational theology that we see even in that narrative that Jesus is getting as like, remember who set this up, Yeah, you know, and remember what it's for. And I think that has to be this grounding work that we come back to. It's like, it's, I think, well, I want to ask, I'll just ask you, um, Exodus tells us to keep the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. And so even in concept of like a digital Sabbath and, and removing yourself from these places just for the sake of Sabbath, mm-hmm. maybe take us back a little bit to the holy aspect of it and what that mm-hmm. even means. I think there's, there's a, there's a difficulty in our current culture, even in the Christian culture, to understand truly what holiness means for us who are following Christ, much less those that are not. So what does it mean? How is the Sabbath in this day and age holy for us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's such a good, there's, there's a couple of key things in that Exodus passage I'd love to walk through, you know, and, and so one of them, and I, there's a really good book on a lot of this too, like as a, a, a Sabbath theology, Subversive Sabbath is the name of the book. Um, AJ Swoboda uh, wrote this book called Subversive Sabbath. Super fascinating. It's, it's the probably the deepest understanding theologically that I've gone through um, on Sabbath. And, and so even on this passage, he unpacks these four things. One of them is keep it holy. Like, why does it say keep it holy, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, holiness is like you look culturally. It's like, what does holy mean even like culturally? It's, we're probably thinking more, be morally perfect. Yes. But theologically, it's way deeper and more profound and more intense <laughs> yes. than that, right? And I do think one of the best analogies, I've heard this so much and think about it, is, is the sun. You know, the sun is like this really radiant, beautiful thing. Um, and it, it brings light to everything. It's wonderful, beautiful. And the closer you get to it, the hotter it is. But if you get too close, you're dead. Yes. You know, and like, be careful. So there's a danger that comes with this. Right. And, um, what's amazing is in the story of Jesus, um, you know, he comes along as holy and now everything he touches gets healed. Right. And, and, and so when we think of holy and keeping the Sabbath holy, I think what we've done is like, we've, we've forgotten the holiness of the Sabbath, like at at the basics of it. And holiness isn't like, Holiness, again, it's not like just be morally perfect. It's a a reverence and a danger if you get too, if you ignore, you know, it's like, it's, it's something that we should be in such like awe of when something is set up as holy. This is like, God is saying something very profound to us to take extreme note of. So for him to call the Sabbath, the rest, the Sabbath rest, holy is to communicate something extraordinarily, extraordinarily deep. And so, you know, certainly in that Exodus passage, you have keep, keep, keep it holy. And a couple of other things that AJ lays out in that Exodus passage, I think is really helpful is he says, like in that passage, it talks about how the Sabbath is for every, uh, for everyone you love. So it lists out like family, it lists out all these people. And so often, I think even in this conversation, the whole digital Sabbath thing is like, take a digital Sabbath for yourself. It's not for yourself. Like what was the byproduct of my, even my first day doing it? What was the byproduct? 
yeah, my family, family had my time. Yeah. <laughs> they had my attention. And so the Sabbath wasn't just for me. My, yeah. The Sabbath was for my family to you know, enjoy me. And it, even it lays out creation. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know that I've ever thought about it like this. The Maybe our thinking on Sabbath is about cutting ourselves off from something when really it's more about redirecting ourselves to more important things and mm-hmm. recognizing those things. Mm-hmm. Connection. You know, like, you know that Sabbath seems right. about connection. That seems like the right answer. You know, like it feels like we, we have to cut those things off in order to make the better choices. So it's, mm-hmm. a, so it's, it's inher- inherent in the eye of Sabbath is that we would be denying ourselves something mm-hmm. by resting. Um, yeah. And you, and you see this like, in the way God created creation. So creation naturally desires and needs rest and rhythms that are, in, that have rest embedded in it. It's like seasons. Well, look at what happened in COVID. So these last couple of years in COVID, what's been going on. That's really strange when suddenly people slow down and pause. It's like, you're hearing stories all around the world when like Suddenly there's less pollution in our cities yep. and suddenly like these, this life is coming back to some of the most part these parts of creation. There's endless amounts of these amazing stories. Right. So what's going on there? It's like creation woke up because we stopped. Like we paused for a moment and like God like showed us, look what happens when you pause. Like my creation comes to life. So it's like, what you just said, Seth, so powerful because when we Sabbath, it's not that we're focusing on taking away. It's that we're focusing on gaining life. That's really beautiful. And so, and then the other two pieces of that Exodus passage that AJ lays out, that was so profound for me. So keep it holy. Sabbath is for everyone. It also lays out the Sabbath is for the foreigner and the refuge, you know, the refugee. It's so it's unpacking this idea that, um, when we Sabbath, not only is it for me, not only is it for my family, but by not communicating with text messages, not taking phone calls, I'm actually teaching those around me, right? And those that even may not, like the rhythm of Sabbath, it's like it's so strange to me. I'm actually showing and educating and teaching. And so uh, it's, it's also, I think, set up for our culture too to experience as well. I think there's two different um, planes that we could talk about this on the individual plane, like me as a, as a person on my own, what does this look like? And then as an organization, as a church, Mm. that, that whole modeling aspect, I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are two, like, those are two different things. So let's hit the person first. Mm. The People are the ones that are going to make up this church. Do what are some like, as a person, what are some signs, symptoms, if you will, that I need to take a break from social and technology that, um, that what I'm doing is unhealthy. I haven't, maybe it's, maybe it is that level of addiction. Like, what does that look like? How how do you, how do I know? Like, oh, I need to stop this. Yeah, totally. Um, and honestly, I'd say that my answer to that ties actually into the other observation in Exodus, which so that Exodus passage is unpacking the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. The one around Sabbath is the only use of the word remember. Mm-hmm. Remember the Sabbath. And you're like, well, why didn't he say remember not to murder? 
you know? Right. Like, well, cause we kind of know, like it's embedded in us, you know, murder is a bad idea, Yeah. but we just so easily forget to pause and we'll just keep going until like we have to pause, you know? And so to me, some of the signs, it's like, I think, I think there's two levels to the signs that like we're, we're in this chaotic moment of always going, or we, we need a rest. Um, I think there's some like the, the obvious ones, which is like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm irritable with people. I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm, you know, lashing out. Um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed too, in the last particularly couple of years, this like low grade depression with everybody mm. around me. Yeah. Like, it's like, we're stuck in some sort of rut Funk. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a cultural, societal, individual, you know, rut that uh, I'm like, how do you break out of that? And I, and I, and so I think like noticing, just taking pause and taking uh, inventory of, of your life, like, are people, how are people telling you, you are as well? Like, are you in, in the place? And then, and then I would say even too, like, are you experiencing joy? And like moments of happiness that are tied to a deeper level of joy. And so that would be some of those indicators for me. Um, I have to notice for myself, uh, yeah. my some of my like signs and symptoms that if I'm consuming a lot, if I find myself scrolling a lot, that's a big red flag to me that there's something that I'm wrestling with, that I, mm-hmm. I have some, that I, I'm struggling and I'm not mm-hmm. in, an, in a healthy place. And so mm-hmm. if I find myself scrolling TikTok or Instagram or whatever, that's a big red flag to say, okay, you need to sit with the Lord for a little bit because you're ignoring mm-hmm. something or you're mm-hmm. trying, you're avoiding something. You're avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even realize that I'm avoiding something, but I've started to use that like itch to scroll as like, that's my sign that, oh, I need mm-hmm. to sit and yeah. be present for a minute. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of my tells is, um, if I'm sitting there and sometimes my wife and I watch TV at night, we have shows, we, we watch whatever. And, you know, if there is a moment where we have to pause it to go, you know, tell, say something to the kids or go, go clean up, or, you know, do something to do something, go to the bathroom, anything like that. Let's say uh, one of us has to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, you're going to be gone for forever. Pick up my phone, start looking. I can't just, you're right. I can't just wait. You know, it's like I pick up my phone and, and I see, and I notice in myself irritability where mm. everything just starts to annoy the crap out of me. Mm. Everything is just so stupid and <laughs> dumb. And I don't know mm. why people are this dumb. You know, I just get real mad and I'm like, what am I mad about? And I just, mm. it feeds that in me, that anger that's already there of wanting the world to be a certain way. I'm such an idealist anyway. I want mm. the world to be this way and it's not that way. And I take it, my responsibility to go fix it. And man, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to fire off on Twitter. No, right. it doesn't do anything. You know, it's like, these are my tells, you know? And I'm like, I wonder if anybody else has those kinds of tells too, that I'm, I need to, I need to back off. I, I just deleted Facebook and Twitter from my phone again for a while. Those two mm. are, are, I, I'm, I have, I have problems there, you know, and I just kind of, every once in a while, I just try to try to delete them, but you, you have to notice your own tells, like you have to be self-aware. And one of the things I've noticed too, that if you can't notice your own thing, I would say, um, 
look around and if people suddenly start avoiding you, mm. it's because it's spilling over, you know, yeah. some of the effects are really starting to wear you out probably. And then, and I just say, and, is, if that's linked there, take notice. And I would say like, as a super practical, again, if someone's still listening to this, like, <laughs> well done, congratulations. Uh, honestly, like the most practical thing I can possibly think of out of this would go to someone you love, like right after listening to this or turn it off now, call someone you love and just be like, have you noticed anything different changing with me? Cause I've noticed some habits in my life and I don't know if they're healthy habits mm-hmm. or unhealthy habits. And how are you, how am I doing? Like, am I more loving? Am I, am I care, caring for you? Do you feel loved by me? Or do you feel, yeah, maybe I'm a little more, more irritable or like unpack that for me. And those are the people that can usually speak into your life that can, you know, help you figure some of that stuff out for sure. Yeah. Communicate, keep those lines open. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to talk about this because we all probably heard about the study recently about teen behavior and Instagram and how quickly when left to their own devices, they could find self-harm, depressive, depression, you know, encouraging type things, you know, just how, how quickly it really led them to those kinds of places. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the algorithms is what kind of contribution are the algorithms really making to mental health that prevent us from being able to pull away anyway, Mm -hmm. much less the effects that it's having on some of us. Yeah. Yeah. This is an extraordinary complicated conversation around the algorithms. And when you get into the weeds of it and those that are building it, one of the complex things that even of the largest tech companies is because they're so big, you have individuals that are contributing to little pieces of it. And so few people that are seeing so much like the big picture of it and how it's from the tiniest code that gets built, um, how it affects everybody. But this is why I think there's been a lot of conversation around this now that I think is really healthy and really good. Um, No doubt there is algorithms that are being built and designed to keep you on these platforms. Like that's how you are going to make money by seeing more ads, um, you're going to make more money. So again, let's just pick on Facebook a little bit, you know, that, that as a, as a case study, like their end goal is to get ads, right. To make more money. That's how they make more money. And the way that they get more money from more ads is more people see your ads when you put them on. And so in order to do that, you need to be on and you need to be having more people on and And engaged. And they're about to get more aggressive. Their numbers were seriously down in the last report. Right. So So then there's incentive there. Mm -hmm. So it's a incredibly complicated in that, you know, a lot of these tech companies are becoming more aware of this um, and are, I think are attempting to try to build some systems in place that, that, that uh, improve that for us. And they, and little changes can, I think, make an improvement, but there's some, there's some fundamental pieces here that live more in the category of exploitative than responsible technology Mm -hmm. that make this really messy that um, this is why, I mean, 
I'm rarely on social. Um, I, it's a space that usually when I'm on it, I'm not, um, it's not making me more like Jesus than it is, um, making me more like culture. Um, so I, if I am on it, it's usually with some serious boundaries and accountability. So, you know, letting people know that I'm on it, pieces like that, just because, and we can talk about that, but what sits behind that is that I know that the way all, a lot of these apps are being created, um, are, are built around keeping me on there. And in some ways, like there's a community element that they're seeking to improve and get better at. Right. And that draws you in from relationship. But like when, when I I heard a phrase, one guy once told me, he's like, I feel more connected than ever and less connected than ever at the exact same time. Yeah. Well, that's like that social, was it the social experiment documentary, you know, recognizing social dilemma. Yeah. We are the product right? Like the goal is to keep us is, you know, to figure out how to keep our attention. Attention is the number one asset. Mm -hmm. And if we just, we just need to keep that in mind, right? Right. I'm the product. Yeah. And that's why I bring it up too, is that just some awareness of the fact that you're, you may not be able to pull yourself away because the intent of the algorithm is to not let you do that. Mm -hmm. It's to keep you on the platform. And so there's a force at work there that is trying to regularly entice you to, mm-hmm. to scroll more, click more, spend more time. And the companies are trying to do more about it. I think they are trying to be a little more responsible, at least on the surface level. But at the end of the day, it's going to take you making some, some choices mm-hmm. and, 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 and being aware that that's what's happening. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the disconnects we have right now with how we solve this is that we think the choice is ours as an individual. And it's really a misunderstanding of how God's created us. You look at scripture and I had one friend send me the Texas Texan Bible. Have you seen this Seth? It's where all the yous that are plural are turned into y'alls. Oh, no. I was like, what embarrassing version is this? No, no, no. So I was like, our own thing of everything. I don't Texas, understand. Yeah, yeah. Your own Bible. Yeah. Gosh. But it was really cool. I was like, hold on. So you moved all the plural yous into y'alls, and you actually realize how many y'alls are in the Bible mm-hmm. because so often you is plural. But as a expressive, individualistic, hyper-individualistic society in the West that we yeah. are, you know, we think every time you see you, it's me. Yeah, we, and, we read it that way. Hmm. Yeah, and I think this is why when we make decisions about our technology and Sabbath and boundaries that exist in our lives, we think it's like, dude, I have to make, I got to, I have to find out how to solve this problem. And I'm like, you are designed not to figure this out on your own. You are designed to figure this out with other people. And yet we think we can do it on our own. I'm like, you're done. You're toast. Like the the trillion dollar industry to which, uh, you know, is being designed to hyper individualize your entire experience. Like meaning the three of us don't have the same Facebook. We don't have the same Netflix. It's entirely customized. Right. Every time I look at it, it's different than every time you look at it. Like that is hyper individualized because that's 
you know, part of actually us not understanding that we have to make these decisions in, in community. So as a quick example of that, I'm a huge fan of like the Amish and, uh, you know, those that live like without technology or minimal technology. And like, why is that? They make decisions on what technology comes into their life as a community. They decide on what technology comes into their life collectively together. So what this means for us is like next time you go to buy a phone, next time you go to buy a piece of technology, you don't make that decision. You make the decision with others that love you and you think through the implications of it. That should slow us down and that should make us put some better boundaries in place. So there's actually a liturgy and, um, every moment, holy, do you know that? No. Oh, rab, uh, rabbit room, every moment, holy. It's a book of liturgies. It's really great. There's actually a liturgy for consuming technology, which is like this really great reminder to like slow down. And this is a moment and this is, I need to keep in mind what I'm about to enter into and uh, coming back out of it, you know, after you're consuming technology, that it's like, you know, it's taking a trip to this place. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of makes you pause, which is really cool. You just reminded me of that. Very cool. Um, but in, this is all great and awesome and lovely. And I think all of us are in agreement that keeping a Sabbath is what is, we are designed for that. And that is so good and it's good for us. Um, but a lot of us listening work in a space where we are required to run social media mm-hmm. that is 24 mm-hmm. seven. And so if your job is to work for a church or a company in social media, how can you create a space for Sabbath mm-hmm. when social never sleeps? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? That is such a tension to live in. I think it starts with a little bit of theology. Um, I mean, every answer should start with a little bit of theology, in my opinion. So I think God's view of technology is both one of idolatry and opportunity. And I think that we vastly misunderstand and undervalue the impact of both of those. So what I mean by that is I think that this conversation has largely been around the idolatry side of technology where it can, it can become Lord of our life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we told stories of the opportunity side. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that I don't think that we should see technology as, or, or leverage it as opportunity without allow, uh, without seeing it as idolatry and then dealing with putting the right boundaries in place around the idolatry. And so, um, So an example of this, like going back to that question is like, I, for example, in my life, I put my phone to sleep every night. Like I have a place, it's a little place in the living room. I put it to sleep. Oh, you you, you like, like a, like a dog. You turn it off. Yeah. Like a a little bed with a blanket. Well, that's step two. Tuck it in. We're, we're, We're almost there, Megan. That's step two. Little bed and a blanket and reading a story. And read a story. Yeah. Hey, let me uh, ask about this. Can I ask about this real fast? Because this is the practical stuff I hear people say. I've heard people say, I put my I don't I put my phone away at 8 p.m. every night hmm. and I don't pick up my phone until 9 a.m. the next day. How do you communicate those expectations with people that expect you to be responsive? 
Because if somebody texts me at eight and then I don't respond, like, how do they know I'm not ignoring them? Like, what does that look like with cultural expectations, right? Great question. Uh, Two things. One is you can actually set up automatic responses. So there's some, there's some ways you can do that. On your iPhone? Uh, Yeah, there's tools. Uh, There's an app. Oh. Maybe I can get you guys this app and then you can do it where it can set up some like automatic responses. Tell okay. me the tricks. Yeah, I have to figure that out. So it's like an automatic response that says like, uh, like I've set it up in the past where it's like, I'm doing my digital Sabbath. You know, I'll talk to you later. You know, I'll talk to you tomorrow, whatever. I want that. So there's some... I want that. Okay. So I'll let, I'll let you know. I'll look into okay, it. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called right now, but I'll look into it. Okay. I want that because that is such a tension digital sabbath specifically when it's a full day right like a friend texts me i don't want to ignore them for 24 hours right yeah it's like opening up a snap and then not responding like leaving people on red that's terrible (laughs) that's bad is it though is it terrible Uh, because it because we've kind of said it's terrible but it really isn't it's cultural expectations yeah is what it's going back to okay i'm distracting from our conversation i'm sorry no it's a great question but I that's just, the second question. But the second answer is what Seth just said, which is obviously easy to say, super hard to apply, mm-hmm. which is like the cultural narrative is X, Especially. right? And are we willing to, it's essentially a kind of a leadership Jesus posture, which is like, here's the narrative and expectation of society, and even my friends, and your friends might not get it, but your good friends, I mean, they're going to see it over time if it's consistent and they're going to probably join you if they really, really. So then the people that really, really matters to, they'll go on the journey with you. I think the ones that don't as much, I don't care too much about, to be honest. Right. And so for them, I'm kind of, it's like, I'm okay. That, you you know, for me in my life, that's a pattern now. Like people just know they're not Mm -hmm. just going to get a hold of me. Right. And so it, one of those things, like those kinds of boundaries, for those that say that, it takes time to set that up. But if we don't be consistent with it early on, then it's really hard. Because That's then so good. I love that you use the word boundaries because that makes sense to us with our time physically, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to go to your house at 8 p.m. every night and hang out with you and not be with my family. Right. You know, like that makes sense to me. And I'm not going to drop everything and, you know, go get lunch with you when I am doing something. With, Other you know, responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So like that makes sense. So setting digital boundaries. Yeah. Like here's, here's one. Our internet goes off at night. Stop. Did you know you can turn your internet off? No. Stop. Yeah. That's not, How? that's not real. That's what? not real. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, wait, my house runs on internet. That's right. Yeah, think, that's right. I think they force it upon us here. It's just like, here's your internet. Enjoy yeah. it, you sad sap. <laughs> that's it, eh? Like, wouldn't it? That's what it feels like. Maybe that's yeah. a Canada thing. They let you remove the internet. Not here in America. Everybody well, can. Friendlier. Everybody well, can. Yeah. Do you just unplug Not very it? Free. You can do, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. So my wife and I uh, have a tool we use. It's called circle and uh, we set it up and we share the password. So if I need to stay on the internet late, I have to ask for permission from my wife and explain to her what I need 
for it. Hmm. That's some serious accountability. Yeah. I like that. Oh my gosh. Why, why not? Yeah. Like, when, like when, when, did, when did it become this idea that you could access everybody and everything all the time? I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's what? not right. That's not normal. That's, that's not good. It's not good for you to have all knowledge all the time. Mm. True. And what you know what the other thing it does is it doesn't help you lean on people. Mm. This is why I stay off the news almost entirely. Yeah, I, I don't check Same. news very often, but everything that's important, I find out about somehow that yeah. I need to know. I do. And I notice it's negative impact. I'm trying to move away from it too. It's something mm-hmm. I just hate about what, where I'm at right now. Just the, the news is so negative all the time. It's like so it's hard. And, and I think this is, and this is why like it's become there again, boundaries. If you need to know some of that news still like find out about it, if yeah. you need to know it. Yeah. But put it in a put it in a framework. Like say to somebody, "Hey, I'm checking for these 30 minutes, and then off of it, feel free to text me if I'm on, still on it." Something like that. Yeah. But um, I know just personally in my life, you know, I, I can just speak to the fact that all that's most important. Somehow, I still seem to find out about it. Um, right. And if it's not, I get an invite to something, and they're like, "Where were you?" Because I don't check, go on Facebook very often. And I was like dude, you should have told me, you know, and it's like, sorry, it just wasn't important enough. You know, if only you left it online and, and that now, when that happens a few times, then people just know, Oh, I got to call. I got to call James because he's not checking it. He he, he doesn't do the, the and then I get a conversation. It's beautiful. So anyway. Wow. That's, I love that. Yeah. So one thing that we talked about at the beginning of this was how can the church help contribute to the mental health of people concerning social media? Like, mm. like for example, like Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays, right? Mm. What can we do? Is it possible for the church to take a day off from social media each week? Is that crazy? Mm. Or just from response, responding to anything like, mm. Hey, our office is closed. We already have that, yeah. but we're not answering emails. We're not answering texts. We're not, we're not posting on social or responding. To so- I mean, just. Or making that decision, like you said, nuts. as a, as a church and community. Hey, we believe this is important. We believe that rest from digital is important. Here's what we're doing. Every mm-hmm. Friday, we will not be on social media. We're not going to answer your DMs. We're not going to respond to comments. We're not going to post anything. Mm-hmm. What's that look like for you? You know, like, and just kind of as a community making that decision, that's what we're doing. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Has you, have you seen anything like that? No. Like, do you, no? Okay. <laughs> just. Just no, just, nope. Nobody's doing that. No, one's <laughs> no doing I haven't that. heard. That's I a don't completely know. original idea you heard right now. <laughs> wow. I mean, no, I don't hear stories like that. And I think, uh, I think what what little stuff like that would communicate is a very profound theology. And that's what I think. If you're a pastor, pastors need to understand that. Yes. See, to me what's a really helpful way of thinking about this is technology has become the primary motif theme of idolatry and addiction in so much of our people. And when you do things like what you just described, Megan, you're not just saying like, Hey, we're going to take a stand on this technology thing. You're shaping your people into a theology towards Jesus Christ. And I think that's where the practices and the habits that we put in our life reflect and lead to what we love. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So that's where I think doing stuff like that could be extraordinarily beautiful is it's far deeper than just let's take Friday off. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce a new tension because I love tension. Do you need theme music? Like, do you need some like, dun, 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 dun. So here on this podcast and just in, in general, in the, in the church comm space, we are always telling people and teaching people how to utilize social media and how to be more effective at social media mm-hmm. and also having, so we have that conversation going. And then we have the conversation of, Hey, you need to have boundaries around social media and you need to model digital rest. How do those work together? How mm-hmm. do we hold both of those at the same time? The mm-hmm. like, learning how to utilize technology as a church, which is something that we're all learning in, we're all growing, we're all figuring out together. How do we get our churches online and teach people how to not live online (laughs) at the same time? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? That is such a, that's such a difficult balance. I think, do you, Mm -hmm. what, give us the, um, silver bullet what's the silver bullet there's no silver bullet (laughs) dang it Uh, (laughs) no chance no chance of silver bullet on this one but i would say uh example and education are probably the primary two things that pop into my mind so example would be like one of the responsibilities of a pastor or a leader of any people is that you're going to lead them best by journeying with people and letting them see the way you live always right Mm -hmm. more than what you communicate though communication is still profoundly important sometimes it gets under undervalued in uh church i feel but the example is extraordinarily important and so this is where like getting getting serious about the theology of technology I, i mentioned to you guys i think before we hit record there's this beautiful book called from the garden to the city is literally a biblical theology of technology from beginning of the bible to the end creation fall redemption restoration what does god say about technology and if the belief is that this is the primary motif that exists within our cultural framework then to understand it is just being a good leader and a good pastor right so i think setting that example and then so getting serious about how it plays out in your life the idolatry and opportunity within it the boundaries and then teaching on it. So this is really cool. Like we're seeing more churches being like, this is a, this is a topic we should yeah. actually talk about, you know? And this is like, Hey, I'm going to actually do some education with my staff team on this topic. And we're going to try to like figure out a framework for our staff or for our organization or for my family. You know, Andy Crouch wrote a great book called tech wise family like putting technology in its proper place. And he talks yeah. about place, like the place that technology has in your life. Like if you walk into a living room and you, and you, it's like all the couches are all designed to do what? Pull you into this big screen that sits kind of against the wall. Right away, what you've told me without saying a word about your family life is that that is the centerpiece to this mm-hmm. family. Mm. that's the focus point of this family is that screen and whatever's on it. Ouch. So you're already communicating something to me and you, I, I haven't even said anything or heard anything about you. And so like thinking about this place in your life, so that's a tight side tangent, but I would say like in your family and then in your, as an organization, like let's start talking about this. And this is why 
obviously me doing faith tech, I get really passionate because there's all of these people around the world that are in these industries that know how this tech work that are thinking about this deeply, but don't have a voice yet or to communicate it. Cause all we're thinking is like, you can, you can run PowerPoint for right. me, but, but actually how do we think about like, help us think about this to educate us as either church or an organization. And so there is the example, but then there's an education piece that I think is emerging, which is beautiful. And you guys are an example of this, even talking about this on a podcast that's driving people to figure out how to use these tools better. Yeah. You have to educate on the boundaries and idolatry element or of it. Um, because then if we don't, we're shaping people more like culture than shaping people more like mm. for sure. Yeah. That's great. That's so good. And, and I feel like as we, you know, kind of we're, we're winding down here, I, I want to uh, get into those solutions of the, some of the tools and we, things we've talked about for Sabbath um, are great, but you have one that mm. is, is helping people like crazy. And so I want to spend a little time. Tell us what digital Sabbath, how's it work? And yeah. you mentioned like people getting together and there's emails being sent. How does that work? And what are you seeing happen because of what it's doing? Yeah, so digital Sabbath.io is super simple at this stage. Um, right now it's just like education, you know, and like what is taking a digital Sabbath. You go on the website, there's literally like don't do this and do this on your day. Yeah. Um, so there's like a do not list. It's like, you cannot do these things, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And I there's some, I love, I love don't do lists. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. They're very meaningful, very powerful. Yeah. Um, but the way we've set it up is like for the slightest amount of accountability, we're like, Hey, give us your email. We're going to send you an email the day before with a little bit of a, like a reminder and a little bit of like encouragement. And there's like graphics that can just be like encouraging you scripture, stuff like that, that just like reminds you like, Hey, it's coming up. We encourage you to, to have a great day, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how it started is just like, let's not overdo this thing. Let's keep it really simple and just encourage people towards this thing. Um, there's plans for future stuff down the road, but at this point it's super simple. Um, and so that's it. I would say though, that's just a launching pad or a little accountability. The biggest thing we encourage people is like, ask somebody to do it with you. Find yeah. like, remember I talked about that person you're about to call when you finish listening to this, mm -hmm. ask them, Hey, can we try it once? Or like our big thing with digital Sabbath is one day a week for one month. It's like four times. Yeah. Can you make that commitment? If already your response is like, there's no way my life would like crumble that's your sign to do it. Or, or you start going, wait, is it from eight to eight? And is that a day or should I go all the way to midnight? Like right, that's what right, Pharisees right. did. Okay. Right. That's, that's the Pharisees way of going, how far is too far to walk for the Sabbath? And that's when it starts to control you. Yeah. So, so set your time and accomplish the goal. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So. And it may be just like an afternoon for you yeah. uh, to start. Yeah. That's how I started actual Sabbathing physical Sabbath thing was just a chunk of time. Just this morning, I'm going to break. I'm going to rest from being productive. I'm going to find something to do that connects me to my family, that connects me to God. I'm going to be disciplined to sit in that. And I just started with a few hours and then got really good at that few hours and then loved it. Fell in love with this peace and this rest. And I thought I need more of this. This is, mm -hmm. turns out, 
when God tells you something's good, it is. <laughs> how about that? How about that? And I, and it just, and what you, you said that, that, you know, what first was like, wow, this is a little bit wild. And then you were like, I, okay, I kind of like this. I'm, mm-hmm. I, and it was, it, what was started off as a discipline became a joy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I can, I'm not there with the digital Sabbath part yet. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, working same. on it, same. but I, I can see it going there where be where I would be like, I'm so looking forward to the day where I can put my phone down and I don't even have, I don't have to, I'm not obligated to respond to you today. Yeah. Right. I love yeah and honestly, idea. I would say the greatest outcome I'm thankful for with it is now it's become this, like, by God's grace, like I can go a day without interacting a lot with technology or a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. And it could be like becomes almost like a Sabbath unintentionally mm. because I just my view towards it now is so low of like low in the right way. It feels like it's like low in the sense of I don't feel like it controls me, but it had it was the it was that discipline practice in accountability with others to do it that taught me these lessons that now bled into the rest of the week for me, which has yeah. become oh, like yeah. a life changer. I also love the juxtaposition of you being a guy that owns a technology company, teaching us how to not utilize technology. (laughs) Yeah. To not let it run your life. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. It's so awesome. I love that. Well, uh, James, as we wrap up here, I'm just so thankful for what you're doing at faith tech, what Mm -hmm. did, what digital Sabbath is doing, you know, your Mm -hmm. heart behind this. I think it's so refreshing and hopefully this has been life-giving for our, our audience too. I know it has been for me, you know, to think through some of these things. So uh, thank you again for being on the show and bringing your expertise and insight and experience to the table. It's always you know, yeah, really man. cool to see somebody doing this kind of stuff. That's yeah. redeeming and a huge shout out, a huge shout out to the digital Sabbath team. So it is because the way we do faith tech, it's all volunteers that build these products to help help churches, wow. help evangelize the world of G- to, to know Jesus, to help the most poor, vulnerable in a city. That's our framework. That's the type of projects. It's just a whole bunch of people that volunteer their time. Wow. And this digital Sabbath team has been going for like three years, just giving of their time. They rebuild the content. They let people know about it, build, rebuild the site. It's just so cool. Like, so it's huge shout out to them because if they hear it and they make it this far, <laughs> they need to know that land. Like there is people out there that have these amazing skills and they just want to be like, Hey, how can I leverage those to help other people? And in this case, it's helping people slow down a little bit and rest yeah. a little bit. So huge awesome. shout out to that team. Well, thank you again, man. It's been, it's been so good. And we'll put note, we'll put a lot of links to get in touch with you. Dig, uh, Digital Sabbath, Faith Tech, all the social media stuff is going to be in the show notes for this episode. And just thank you again for being here. It's been awesome. Um, and so thank you all for listening to the seminary of hard knocks podcast. And, uh, if you would go, uh, subscribe, that'd be awesome. So get on the email list so that you don't miss an episode. Cause you know what? You don't want to miss it. (laughs) 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 See what I did there. All right. See you everybody. (laughs)